We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. It's Sal Capaccio. Sal Capaccio. Sal Capaccio. Sal Capaccio. Sal Capaccio. Sal Capaccio. All right, moving into hour two, Sal's joining us on the Western Hotline. We'll get to your phone calls as well. We got lines open if you want to get in. We're in off-season mode. What should the Bills' number one priority be this off-season? 803-0552, join us. Mr. Capaccio is brought to you by New York's only outlet liquor. When you need to stock up, it's the best place to buy a case. What's your outlet? Good morning, Sal, and uh, happy Tuesday to you, sir. Yeah, you too, guys. Good morning. Um, so well, let's start with Sean McDermott. Right? You were you were there yesterday for locker cleanout. We'll get to what some of the players had to say. But I want to ask you: When all was said and done with Sean McDermott, anything stand out to you from what you heard from the Bills coach yesterday? I mean, nothing out of the ordinary. You know, I think just a answered questions about the season. Uh, you know, the evaluation process going forward. Continue to say like their goal is to win a world championship, and they're going to keep making every move they have to make to get to that goal. Uh, he said when they got here in 2017, they had a lot of free agents. They didn't have much cap space, and they they still were able to figure it out. He said, we'll figure it out this year because they have 21 free agents. They don't have a ton of cap space. Um, we talked about – he was asked about any changes on staff. He said he wouldn't get into that right now. That's the evaluation process. I asked him about more injuries this year. He said that's a very big part of it as well, uh, why that was happening. Specifically pointed to – I thought it was interesting um, – a number of calf injuries on the defensive line, little things like that. So all those little details are things that they're going to, you know, evaluate going forward, but nothing out of the ordinary that he said. Um, Obviously just now is the time where they're going to start. And today we'll start the evaluation of the roster and the coaching staff. What do you, what do you think will happen with Ken Dorsey and Leslie Frazier? You mentioned Sean McDermott was asked yesterday specifically about whether both of those guys would be back. And then he answered, as you said, not getting to get into staff, stuff at this point give us a a, a gut feel of a, a guess a prediction what do you think uh, that's tough I mean I, I I historically this coach doesn't do that he doesn't mm-hmm. fire coordinators and yep. he, he so so I, I can't sit here and say I think he's going to do that but you know I think it's the NFL it's a win now business it's a results business in the last couple of years uh, they bowed out earlier than they've wanted to didn't even advance to the AFC championship game and in the manner in which they lost yesterday I think that requires even more scrutiny and evaluation so I wouldn't rule out any changes I just think that the way this coach generally operates that that's more likely than not not more likely not going to happen um, especially considering the way Josh and other offensive players spoke about Dorsey yesterday 
and how much they believe in him. And it was his first year, and they're growing together. Um, I know. <coughs> excuse me. I know that um, Leslie Frazier is obviously incredibly respected in the building and around the league. But yeah, it's a tough one. I I don't know. I I don't know if I want to guess or say what's going to happen. I just know that usually this coach operates in a manner that that is not what his um, normal you know reaction is going to be even after a tough season. Sal, what do you think if 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 Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott came to you today and said, Sal? Give us your off-season game plan. What what do we prioritize? What areas need to be addressed more important than anything else? What would you tell them? Well, Brandon Bean's going to speak today at three o'clock, so yep. you know we'll get a little feel for this. I would say you need more weapons for your for your quarterback. You know, Sean spoke yesterday and said, and Brandon has said this many times too. Every time they lose in the playoffs, they say, when you get to the playoffs and you lose, you take that final game as kind of like a barometer of where you are and who you are and what you need to do. And um, he said, and I said, well, if that's the case, how about looking on the other side and saying, look at the team we lost to. Is that the team we kind of need to mm-hmm. be more like or emulate? I'm saying not that you have to be the Bengals, but the way they built their team with all those wide receivers. And he mentioned, yep, they have those great wide receivers, as we know. And you know, he's not going to get into, okay, yeah, that's exactly what we have to do. But come on, I think that we, we all see it. We all see, and you guys have talked about it, at length throughout the year. They need more weapons. They need something more to challenge teams. It's a matchup league. Sean Sean said several times yesterday, it's a matchup league. It's a league of playmakers. And then he said, but as always, something that never, ever changes. And he talked about the evolution of the game. It changes here and it changes there. He said, but something never, ever changes is up front. Um, I think they need to get more physical on defense. I I understand that we're in an era now of high-flying offenses, but the league has also come back a little bit towards if you can – if you can be physical and run on teams and control a game that way, then you do it. Yes, it's tough to cover everything. I understand that. But I think the lack of physicality showed up on Sunday. You know, I wonder if – now, I, I think it's tough to move on from a very young middle linebacker that you can have still locked up for many years, especially considering other decisions you have to make on their roster where guys are getting older in other positions. But I do wonder if you need to get more physical at middle linebacker. As rangy and athletic as Tremaine Edmonds is, I wonder if that's a discussion that – Maybe it's not necessarily the right fit with Matt Milano. I look at something like that. Uh, they're undersized on the defensive line when Ed Oliver is out there and there's no true, real, you know, Daquan Jones next to him really makes him a lot better. But otherwise, you saw what happened on Sunday when he gets double teamed. Like, I think those are things they're going to have to look at on the defensive side. But on the offensive side, it's got to be more weapons. And, you know, I, yes, I think that they have to address the offensive line. I don't think you have to spend a ton of resources on it. I think because you have a very athletic quarterback, and look what Joe Burrow did on Sunday. There are ways to mitigate an offensive line that isn't a great offensive line. They have to get better there, there's no doubt. But I think you need playmakers, and I think you need to be more physical on defense. So I guess part of the the point about how you lose your last game shows you this and that. I think that all was well and good, and I liked that up until this year. Not to say it's an excuse, but... Should they overreact to what happened on Sunday against Cincinnati? They got beat badly. There's no doubt about that. But if they if they were to look too hard at that, I wonder how much they would really change. I mean, are they going to not be a nickel team anymore? Do they want? How far will Sean McDermott go to, no. ch- to change the style of defense? Because his defense got absolutely destroyed, right? Like so. You, you yeah, want- I, I don't think you're talking about like wholesale schematic changes everywhere. Right, you know right. what I mean? I mean, I think that Jeremy, a great example is let's go back to that Houston playoff game. 
I mean, their number one target was Duke Williams. I mean, after that game, they said the same thing. Like, hey, our last game is kind of an indication of what we need to do. That's when they went out and got John Brown and Cole Beasley, right, and said we just yeah. can't have that happen but again. To me, I, I don't think you're talking about like we just have to overhaul everything because of the way the Bengals beat us, and all of a sudden we're going to be take Taron Johnson off the field. Oh, I'm with you, but my, I guess my point is along the way to building to who they are, they're not as good as the Texans. The Texans were a division winner. They're not as good as Kansas City when they lose in Kansas City. <laughs> this time around, they should have been every bit as good as Cincinnati, and they got hammered. And one of the reasons is, I guess, you know, this gets back to the coordinator conversation. They got wildly outcoached in that game. If they're really going to go, if they really want to lean into, we see where we're lacking in that last game. I think the number one place they were lacking in that last game might have been coaching. Well, we'll see if they make changes. And and that doesn't have to just include coordinators, by the way, right? That could be position coaches as well. Um, You know, Sean is very loyal. We know that. And he wants pl- people in the building who are loyal. And I understand that. I think I've been around this game long enough at all different levels to tell you guys, like, it's hard to get very loyal people to be a part of that. You're, you know, when you have people who are only in it for themselves to get head coaching jobs or coordinator jobs and you're not loyal and in it every day and doing what you're supposed to do for your group, that's hard to find. As if, even if you have people who make mistakes, like, those things matter. And I know that Sean had a, a coaching staff, I think, that he really believes, and he has one. He believes in it, and they are. And there's not been a lot of turnover in the coaching staff. There was a little bit last year. Every year you're probably going to get some in some way, shape, or form. And some guys might leave to go take other jobs. Who knows? But I think everything's on the table. And listening to him yesterday, Jeremy, I think that is he is open to everything being on the table, to be quite honest with you. Yeah. I don't know if that's going to include making changes at coordinator uh, or anywhere else. But I, I do think that at least it's open. And I think when you lose like that, you have to be willing. It is a bottom line win business. And they have not met expectations over the last couple of years, especially this year. One thing about evaluating everything they've done. Sal, how much do you buy the idea that when they get to the the big games in the postseason, McDermott becomes more conservative? Because there was the one stat, the one chart. They had not punted giving up one point of win percentage the entire year. They did not make a single regular season decision giving up one point of win percentage by the fancy numbers. And then on Sunday, he punted giving up two points of it. Like, if they have analytics, when you get to the postseason, it looks like he changes. Well, does that go for the Miami game last week? Does that go for the Kansas City game last year where he was very aggressive? You know what I mean? Like maybe in, in this in, game he in, might have been in the games they lose in, in their elimination. Right. Games in the games is, they yeah. lose, and yeah. like would not he see some sort of correlation there? That hey, I got really nervous. I got really conservative in this last moment, and we lost because it has happened against the Chiefs. It has happened now against the Bengals that they are very conservative in those moments. Sure. Well, that's what the numbers say. I, I just want to push back and say I think there's a cause and effect argument here, and when you are down 14 points. You probably do it. need to be more aggressive at the same time. I also understand the argument of if we give them the ball there, the game could be over right there. I can't end the game now. i got to get this, keep this game going as much as possible in a situation. I'm not, I'm not thinking of a specific situation. I think there might have been one on Sunday. There was, fourth but and two. I understand that. But, but, Four, but, the, I mean, that's the thing. Like, right, he, he explained sure. his process, but that's the, that's the thing about it. And I know, yep. I know what you're saying here. Like, just, I'm just making this point generally. That is, this is a team that, if it's about process, and he has, yep. for 18 games, been really good with this, and then in the 19th game, he blinks and explains why he did it, and his explanation doesn't hold water like I'd want him to be evaluating himself in that role too and he will they, they do all that but you're right no I, I don't disagree and I also I think they should have gone for it by the way just on the record I think they should have gone for it however I would tell you that 
very rarely have they been in a situation where they were down like that, and maybe that plays into it, right? Maybe now all of a sudden, like normally you're not in that type of ball game where you're kind of everything's going against you and you're losing, so maybe that goes into leaning on more conservative because you haven't been, and it's more of a, okay, what do we do here? This is not normal. But wasn't the Kansas City game where they went down in the 13 seconds game, wasn't he extremely aggressive in that playoff well, they game? Had I know they, they won. They, they, they were... They were trailing and chasing. That's the thing. They're trailing and chasing. They had to go for two. They had to go for fourth downs. They picked up fourth downs along the way. But I guess then then it bothers me when the stat is, well, in playoff games. Well, it's not true because that game was a playoff game. I I didn't say in playoff games. I said if we're going to do the thing where we say the last game tells you things, this is another time with the last game he's conservative. Then, I'm, that, then, then that's right. Then I guess that's what the numbers say, and and I'm sure that's the case. Um, but I do think that this game probably was more of a, oh, my God, we're down. What do we do? And it probably made him lean that way. And he said he was he didn't want to give the game away there. Like, hey, we, we still have a chance if we can get a couple stops or whatever. You know, if I give them the ball there, they can literally they can they're in scoring position already. And now we're already down three scores. And that's what he was trying to avoid. So, yes. The overall thing is, I will tell you this. I know for sure. We've talked to Sean about this. He's mentioned this many times. He has, he, every week they do that. Every week they go through things around the league, evaluation. You know that the analytics part of it. But I don't know if something changes in the playoffs. I don't know if he feels differently and they they crumble up into a shell and say, okay, we can't let this happen or can't let that happen and look and play a little bit more conservative. I mean, defensively, it seemed like they did even on Sunday, right, with all the cushion we talked about. And they were playing, I hate to use the word scare, but I think almost like, okay, don't do something wrong. Play plays just to keep this game going. And I see coach like that in that moment. Um, but, you know, like I said, if that's what the numbers say in that particular game, but I also know that he was probably more aggressive in the Miami game, I think, if you go back. I'm not sure if I remember a couple plays. And in the Kansas City game last year. I'm, I'm real quick on this. I'm not sure it has to be that it's a playoff trend and maybe it's a when they're down big trend. Because we don't see that very right. often when they're That's, down. That was the point I was making. Yeah, yes. because I'm looking even at the Ravens game earlier this year where they end up coming back. But they were down 17-3 to and punted on 4th and 1. And then they were down... 20 to 3 and they punted on 4th and 3 from just before midfield. So, and that Chief game 2 years ago in the playoffs, they were down big. Sunday they were down big. So, I I want them to go for it in those spots, but I wonder if it's just he gets more conservative and wants to prolong the game when they're down by 17, which again, I think is the opposite of what you should be doing. Let me get connected. Maybe. Sorry. Let me get connected with our fans. If you're on hold, hang on. We'll get everybody in here this hour. We'll go with Jay and East Aurora here with Sal. Go right ahead. Hey, good morning. I'm, I'm, I'm in the group of fans that was not stunned by what happened. Uh, and I think when you think about the buildup over the season with all the adversity this team faced, all the injuries, uh, the turnovers that we saw, although that wasn't really an issue in this game, uh, a rookie offensive coordinator, uh, you know, there were a lot of – this team was a different team than last year. Um, you know, the 13 seconds, we didn't have Emmanuel Sanders anymore. We didn't have Cole Beasley for most of the season. Uh, the team was fundamentally different than it was last year, uh, especially with all the injuries on defense and the different players that had to step in. Uh, my, my concern is this. From a coaching standpoint, we were clearly outcoached in that last game. And and be, because we're in a offensive league, you know, I mean, again, we held – the Cincinnati Bengals to 27 points. So I'm not, the defense didn't look great, but if our offense puts up 30 points, we consider a close game. We said the offense doesn't look great, but we're having a different conversation and we're moving forward to next week. 
The problem with having a defensive head coach is that you're always going to potentially lose your offensive coordinator if they're any good. Dable left after a few years. Dorsey, if he's any good, will get a head coaching opportunity. I realize they're loyal, but if you're an OC and you get that chance to, to cash in on the head coach, you're, you're going to go for it. And, and that's where I see us having a deficiency against uh, a Cincinnati or Kansas City, for instance, where the head coach isn't going anywhere. The offensive head coach is going to be there. So Burrow has that consistency. Uh, Mahomes has that consistency. And, and, and I'd like you to speak to that because while I think Sean McDermott is a good coach, in this type of league, is having a defensive coach as your head coach the right play? Because Sean Payton's out there right now. And, and I'll tell you, he could step in and do some wonders with this offense. And that's all I'll say for now. Sean Payton's not coming to Buffalo. The Bills aren't firing Sean McDermott. That's not going to happen. This ownership uh, is not firing the head coach. Um, I understand. I've seen all the stats, which I'll get to in a minute, about the head coaches and who are left in the league, which I'll talk about in one second. But um, it is, look, I understand the point. Like, you could lose your offensive coordinator. It is far more important to me uh, to have a good leader as a head coach than to worry about which side of the ball they coach. It's just more important. And that, that They can come from anywhere. John Harbaugh was a special teams coach when he came in. Um, it doesn't matter to me which side of the ball they come from or why. Uh, and, and that part of it, and I think that people tend to think, and maybe it's true, I don't know, defensive coaches can be a little more conservative. Um, that could be as well. Uh, but, but I think that more than anything, but, but that argument, just losing a coordinator, like I, I'll, I'll, I'll deal with that if I have a good leader as a head coach and a good head coach. That, that's more important to me. I've seen, I know, Joe, you have um, you know, tweeted out this stat. Like all the, the people who are left in the playoffs, eight, out of the eight who were left, maybe seven had offensive backgrounds, right? Um, I don't yeah. know if, you know, and, and, I, and I mean, I don't know what that's supposed to tell me because I also went back and looked, and out of the five who were fired, four of them were offensive coaches. So what does that mean? I just think there's a lot of offensive coaches in the league. I don't think it matters. Yeah, I, I'm not big on, uh, you know, right. I was thinking about Andy Reid, right, Nick Sirianni. Uh, Zach Taylor and Kyle Shanahan right, are all offensive coaches. And honestly, if you pick the right offensive coordinator, I don't need to have an offensive-minded or a defensive-minded head but coach. If you get the right coordinator, I'm, got, I'm fine at, with that. At the root of Jay's point, though, is that... So what he thinks, how he builds no, his roster? No, 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 no. You are destined to be to, right. to lose that guy. No matter oh, how... Oh, I got you, I got you, I got you. Yeah. Right, it's, right, it's right. Almost He'll like, move up and get a head coaching job. Yeah, somewhere. it's almost yeah, yeah. like being in, in college where yeah. it's only going to last four years and then you need somebody new. Right, okay. You're destined well, do to... You, but, if you have an offensive head coach, you're probably also going to lose your defensive coordinator. But his point is that that affects the quarterback. And I get it. Yep. I understand. Okay. And, okay. and it's not a bad point. Jay made a good point on that. My point back is simply I, don't, I, w- I will live with that if I have a good leader and head coach. Like that's more important to me. And I can, I can figure out the other stuff, especially if I have a really good quarterback in place already. Let me get one more call in with Sal. We'll go to Larry in South Florida. You're on WGR with Sal. Hey, good morning. Nice to talk to you again, Sal. It's been a while. So, every, obviously, we're all hugely disappointed with that game. And a lot of callers are making points. Uh, the last caller said, you know, if we would have put up 30, no doubt in my mind, Burrow would have put up another 10 or 15 or yeah. 20, whatever he needed to win. So, you know, I, I, I don't think no matter what we would have scored in that game, that we would have won that game. So, here's my concern. I think McDermott's a fantastic regular season coach. And like you said, Sal, an amazing leader. I don't think we should let him go. I'd like to see some of the decisions with timeouts and 
like stuff like that change a little bit, but I think he's a great head coach, and you know I'm happy with him. We change a coordinator is great. I'm happy, ready for that. But what concerns me is the draft. So let's think about the last three years and the quality and depth at the wide receiver position. But we don't address that until at least what the fifth. fifth round or later. So what what makes me nervous is how we got torched in that game, yet. If we address defense in the first two rounds, I will lose a lot of um, – I don't want to say respect. That's not the right word. I'll lose a lot of faith in our administration when it comes to drafting. I think in this draft we got to target wide receiver right off the bat, offensive line, and I'd like us to see offense for the, at least the first three, if not four picks. And I'm just real concerned with – and I know you said it earlier, Howard, you don't care about – you know, Diggs' attitude, what he did, nor am I. Because I think, in the end, he's an amazing player, but he's getting older, and we need to start getting receivers. Like, look at what the what the Jets drafted. That was one of the best drafts I've ever seen an AFC team have last year, and I was immediately nervous. So if they get a quarterback, fellas, we're, you know, we got some work to do, and I'm just – I'm very nervous about the upcoming draft, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, Sal, so a lot of this, I think, is, you know, some people seem to think in a salary cap league, you kind of have to focus on one side, be great at one thing. And the Bills, you know, to their credit, they had built a roster that was great on both sides of the ball. But that, <laughs> but then the cap starts to catch up, right? I think that's what happens here is Allen, Diggs, Dawkins. That's three big money contracts on your offense. Von Miller, Dawson Knox, Von Miller. Like the cap makes it so you eventually, I think eventually you kind of have to pick where you're going to spend most of your assets, where you're going to try to be great. Because being balanced on both sides, it's it's a lofty goal. The cap just makes that really hard. It does, and Sean spoke yesterday about yeah. the premium positions, like right. they, what they value the most. And then when he was asked, well, which ones are those? He said, well, that's a discussion we're going to have internally. Uh, I'd like he to said that evolves. when you get a chance and, and I, I, could. I, Yeah, I do like the answer that he said that evolves. It's not always the same. Yeah. right? They may yep. think, and he said, as the league evolves. So I, I like that. I like the fact that they're like, okay, it's not always, it's got to be this position and that position. It can change every year. Um the Jets did have a great draft. Let's remember they had three first round picks and then picked also like the fourth pick of this or the whatever the second round, Brees Hall. I mean, they took Garrett Wilson and Brees Hall, you know, in within those picks as well. And they, took, they did have a good draft. They also took two defensive players with those picks. They yeah, that's Starter right. And they made an impact right away. Yes, they did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, you but know, the caller, um, and, and I'll always point out free agency comes first. You got to see what happens there before you supplement with the draft as well. Where the Bills will likely be very, very tame free agency, right? We're talking only yeah. lower deals. Uh, Most likely, looking at the same thing from that. I put out, by the way, 21 free agents, uh, the few restricted, but you know you can see it. It's, I have a list that's on my uh, Twitter feed. What do you think about Devin Singletary, Sal? I can't see them re-signing him unless it's to a pretty minimum deal. I think the one thing, if you want Devin Singletary back, the thing that's in the Bills' favor is there's a ton of yeah. very good running backs in free agency this year. Top flight running backs. On yeah, the he's yeah. not he's not gonna he's not gonna get the kind of money most are. So he may have to settle for a really low deal, and maybe the Bills say, okay, well, come back to us, you know, give him two years or something like that, and we'll see and we can see. But I think James Cook, at, uh, you know, is equipped now to be maybe the number one back. You go into next year with James Cook and Naeem Hines, you know, I, that might be okay. And then you pick up somebody like they they had a Duke Johnson on the on the practice squad this year. Sal, before we let you go, let's do uh, some injury notes for the road. 
Uh, Josh Allen, his elbow, uh, Micah Hyde, who I guess would have been cleared to play yeah. in this game Sunday if they were playing. No, he was cleared to play late last week, but he would not have been able to play until this next week. And, I gotcha. and, and okay. the, the reason why, my guess is, and we didn't ask him this specifically, is he got cleared so late that he wasn't ready to play. Like, they didn't have him practicing part of the game plan and all that, yeah. but he was cleared with the intention of playing this coming week had they won. He said he would have. So Josh Allen and then Josh. Von Miller. No surgery for Josh's elbow at this time. He did use the word at this time. They don't hmm. think that. He said rest and rehab uh, is all that it's going to take. He did say it did impact his throwing motion. He said he's a rotational thrower. He had to adjust a little bit. And I think that, you know, that has to be considered when you think about the some of the turnovers and things like that. It, he did have a, a stretch there where they didn't throw the ball downfield a lot, right? In the last few weeks, they started really just chucking it downfield a lot more. And I think that has to be considered. Uh, he did have to change a little bit his throwing motion. He said it didn't impact him that much, but that part of it, it did a little bit. And Von Miller said it's been six weeks. He feels like it's already been months. He said uh, it's a normally a nine-month injury. He's hoping to do it in six or seven to be back by training camp. All right. So Jordan what? Phillips said he was playing with a torn rotator. labrum. Yeah, rotator, rotator cuff. cuff. Rotator cuff. Sorry. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There I can I can give him some good rehab exercises. Let him know next time you see him. Mm -hmm. Oh, um, I'm sure that he'll he'll do exactly what you did. Oh, I feel great. I'm coming six, up on a year. Six week injury, right? You were out for six weeks. For yeah, that. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yep. Well, I, you know, I couldn't uh, drive and I couldn't use. Uh, anyway, um, what was I going to say? All right, hey, so you got nothing going on pretty much the rest of the spring, winter, and spring, right? You're all done basically. You mean except hosting my show after yours? <laughs> oh yeah, that. Hey, and being today Beans. actually you know what beans right. beans end of yeah. season news conferences are very good they're very good you know, we, yes. we both always say this a lot uh as 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 forthcoming as teams are which isn't much he's usually very insightful i think he's a pretty straight shooter and so i i always look forward to hearing what he has he, to say he takes ownership for what yes. the team is yep um he does and our plan is as of right now i believe to carry him live today and show up in the bulldog at three o'clock very, very good. good all right sal thank you as always sir Okay, guys, see ya. Sal's stories from Locker Cleanout Day. You can check them out at WGR550.com. Sal's segment was brought to you by New York's only outlet liquor. When you need to stock up, it's the best place to buy a case. What's your outlet? The caller that said, you know, if the Bills had scored 30, I believe the Bengals would have scored 35. I tend to agree with that. But I pretty much planned on that. Yeah. I the 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 greatest game ever played, Bills and Chiefs. 13 seconds. How many stops did the Bills' defense get that day? Two. Is that all? Yeah. Really? Yeah. It's not a two, lot. They forced two punts. Yeah. They held a lot of field goals, yeah. and so the Bills got back in the game. And it sounds like a defeatist attitude to plan to only make two stops. Yeah. But I want to have the kind of offense where I can kind of plan on only... When you get these games against these teams that are left... Every punt is a win. Every single punt is a win. Well, you think back to Sunday, Cincinnati scored points, not touchdowns. On five of seven points drives? Points on five of their first seven drives. Okay. And the game was for all intents and, what, and purposes over. And what you needed from the Bills was even you think the defense is playing bad, and I, I'm with you. They got ever they got destroyed. If the Bills get a field goal before the half, it's mm -hmm. they're down seven points with the ball to start the second mm -hmm. half. Right. It was a blowout that, like all blowouts, didn't have to be a blowout. It was only a blowout because you're – Offense, which is supposed to be a lot of your bread and butter, right. your offense wasn't up for it. You could say your defense wasn't. I fully expected the Bengals to score on what? Four out of seven drives? Yeah. Look, the defense didn't exactly stop Miami cold. Nope. But 
a punt here, a punt there, gave your offense a chance to put two touchdown drives together in the fourth quarter, you win the football game. Yep. That's it. It's just the occasional it's, key it's, stop. It's kind of the opposite. We used to have manage the game quarterbacks. Yeah. Now I want to manage, manage the, game the game defense. defense. I want to manage right. the game defense. You don't have to win the, de- the game for us. Yeah. Just don't lose Just the manage game for it. us. How'd you do? Right. We forced three punts. All right, we'll get to work on the offensive side. Which usually that's, is enough for this offense. That's a, that's a high bar for your offense, but yeah. I feel like that's how the Bills should be approaching the offseason. More calls coming up. Lines open, too. Thank you for being patient. We'll get to everybody, we promise. 803-0550 to join us on WGR. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for 25 bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. All right, we're back. Fastest headline ever. The Sabres won. Overtime. And they're in ninth. First one out, as you said. Yeah. They're That's true. Three, six. Yeah, right. I'm sorry. I didn't they're, do math. They're, they're just on the it's outside of the playoff picture. Yep. So Everyone good. would have signed up for ninth in January yes. at the beginning of the year. Yes, indeed. And uh, Bill's pressers, McDermott spoke yesterday. Brandon Bean speaks today. I look forward to Brandon Bean speaking today. It's going to be me in the back of the room. I'm not actually going to be there. Like, say it. Just leering until he says it. Say it. Say, I'm on the wide receiver train. He's going to say, we really, really, we really probably left things a little thin at receiver. He yeah. just pulls okay. out a train whistle out what? of his pocket. <laughs> and just pull- <laughs> it's just like when you're in an argument with your spouse. It's like, I just want to hear you say it. All right. I, I probably shouldn't have done that. <laughs> okay, thank you. Now let's, let's well, move what forward. What if he walks out wearing a shirt that says WR2? Into it. It's not even wide receiver two. It's everything. WR. There were, there were games this year they dressed four wide receivers. Yeah. And they picked up Beasley and Brown off the street and dressed them in playoff games. Like, you don't even have to necessarily think they need wide receiver two. Yeah. They just need to care about the position. Right. It's, they, it's, it was neglect. It's very thin, and you worry about long-term answers there. It Not was, named Stefan Diggs. I don't mean ability. I'm just saying yeah. Davis has one year left. McKenzie has one year left. Crowder is a free agent. Shakir is under his rookie contract. Gabe's is Stevenson rookie. still in town? Is he still on the roster? I can't even I, begin I to don't think. I mean, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Please don't. But, man, no, please. That's, Stop. that's what I'm saying. Know. Look at the depth chart. There's nothing really there in terms of certainty beyond Do you mean Shakir. You, you didn't study the future reserves contract list I, that came I out did, yesterday. They did I, sign. I did there's, there was one or two wide receivers on the list, I believe, by the way, right? On that future reserve contract. I'm not going to care unless every one of those future reserves is a wide receiver. You just want to get to a point where you bring up the position and those players aren't even mentioned in the conversation of, oh, well, Stevenson is still around. Or I, maybe. I was just wondering if he was still here, fellas. You didn't I guess have Hodgins to yell at was me. that, too, though. Let me get uh, connected with fans. Appreciate folks being patient with us this morning. Alex in Rockland, you're on WGR. Go right ahead. Good morning, gentlemen. Morning. Uh, here we are once again having the same conversations. Uh, but uh, I wanted to be uh, uh, remind fans of 
it's easy to get caught up and look at one game, but we have to understand people who are asking for McDermott to be fired are truly not understanding what it takes to take 53 men and get them all the line. This year was incredibly difficult, and I don't think many coaches in the whole entire NFL will be able to do what this organization did. I understand he's a defensive head coach, but he's also a leader of men, and that comes first before what happens on the field. Now, it doesn't mean he has endless you know, chances. I think McDermott is allowed one more year before we really need to make sure that we, we have to change everything. But this happened because of our defense. Our defense was limping in. Poyer, one leg. Micah, not even there. Uh, our defensive backs are on one leg. What defense do you think they're supposed to run? They can't get home at the front four. You have to blitz. So you really had to play as if you were playing five Tyreek Hills. And they were all look faster than us because we're all banged up. So and it forced Allen to uh, – our offensive line couldn't really block. So Allen, believe it or not, can't throw the ball quickly because of his elbow. So the, the guys, we have to – I'm not trying to make excuses because at the end of the day, we just got beat. I think our biggest reason why we lost, we, just, we didn't win one one-on-one matchup. It doesn't matter if you have the greatest defensive coordinator or the best offensive coordinator. We just got beat physically. That's it. That's what I saw. Yeah, uh, they did. And I would have you not forget that, you know, you mentioned the defense is why they lost. They got one touchdown. One touchdown uh, by the offense is not going to win you playoff games. Here's a stat for you. I'll, I'll give you on this one. Unlike what happened in that. There's, there's a conversation. Nothing happened. They got beat all over the There's a conversation on the season. There's a conversation on the game. So pro football focus, they track something called perfectly covered plays, passing plays. Of every player in coverage receives a grade a grade of zero or better. No one blew a coverage. No, mm-hmm. Perfectly covered plays. Wow. In the divisional round, these games, Bills, these last game, weekend we saw, the Bengals perfectly covered 66% of the Bills' plays. Now, the league average is 34%. That's the league average. Wow. A defense average will cover 34% perfectly. The Bengals did that nearly twice, twice. as much. Oof. And going back to the wild card round, this is this one game, Cincinnati-Buffalo, was the most perfectly covered play percentage in the playoffs so far. Wow. You could say, does that mean our weapons aren't good enough? Does that mean blah, blah, What it means is a lot of things, but it means that Lou Anaromo took Ken Dorsey to school. Yeah, I was going to say their defensive coordinator yeah. deserves a pay raise. And he's 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 <laughs> yes. a veteran, and, and Dorsey's yes. in a, a first-year guy. You want If you want to tell me he can learn, he can this, he can that, we would have those same conversations about a quarterback. I don't think you have to be beholden to an offensive coordinator growing into his job. I also don't think you have to fire him. But if you want to call it what it was, based on that, the Bills were completely A, predictable, B, coverable, C, say whatever you want. There's a lot of explanations to that. And, again, one more way to say this. I said it was the most perfectly covered plays in the, in the playoffs so far. Yeah. The other two that were really high, really way off the league average, were Tampa against Dallas, they fired their offensive coordinator, mm-hmm. and the Chargers against the Jaguars, and they fired their offensive coordinator. Those two were the two worst ones of the opening round. They both got fired. 
This is the worst number yet in the playoffs. Yeah. Cincinnati against Buffalo. I think it's a combination of the two. I don't think it's fair to say it's one. Like either, oh. uh, sure. I think th- we all know Dorsey had some issues in his first season as a play caller, and also Anarumo is considered one of the better <laughs> defensive coordinators in the league. Think what he did last year to Kansas City in the AFC Championship game. He befuddled Patrick Mahomes yep. in the second half in he, overtime. He's, he's very good. He's very good. I, and with McDermott, look, I am not in the fire McDermott boat at this point. I, I just I don't think it would happen, but I also wouldn't do it. But I will tell you this. There are two things I would think about with McDermott. One, it is troubling that in the playoffs he does not appear to coach the same way he does in the regular season. I know Sal said we're focusing on the losses. What about the wins? And I get it. That's a valid point. But in crunch time, the big games, that's the one, right? You got the AFC Championship game, lost to Kansas City. Back-to-back, Kansas, 13 seconds last in those big games against the best teams you've faced in the playoffs, he coaches conservative. One, that's got to change. Two, look, you can get to a point. Tony Dungy's in my head. You can get to a point where you're good. Tony Dungy, leader of men. Good winning record, right? Regular seasons. But you can get to a point where can't get over the hump in the playoffs. What do you do? Oh, we go find somebody else. Um, and then he went and won a Super Bowl. And then he anyway. got in India. I meant in Tampa, right? I know, I know. But, but Tampa got to the point where like, we're winning, we're winning, we're winning. That's not exactly a, a great franchise before Dungy got there. And then, oh, we got to go with Gruden. So I'm not there with McDermott. But you can get to a point well, where you go, all right, he's good, but something's missing. Is he, is he that next level guy? Well, this is. Andy Reid used to lose in the NFC title game in Philly all the time and the Super Bowl. And eventually he did win. I get that. I'm just. Uh, anyway, I'm not in the fire McDermott boat, but it's it, there's a little voice in the back of my head that, that is saying, hey, just kind of heads up on this. Well, like the offensive versus defensive coach conversation is a part of this yeah because what is the co- thought about that because what does the coach do the coach decides what kind of team you're gonna have mm-hmm. and if there's anything that's been consistent about the bills in six years it's the kind of defense they play they play there's not a high risk defense no, but it's very good uh-huh they have Sound. been they yes. have been great against the pass since the day Sean McDermott walked in the door I think this is the year they gave up more big pass plays but again they're down their, out right, and Poyers they're down their best players up, right so they, they have an, they out. have a defensive identity they play nickel <clears throat> yeah. they are a defensive nickel based team they rotate their defensive linemen yep. if you're to ask their defensive identity that's it. We know it. We've known it for six years. Two good every-down linebackers, and we're not giving yep. up big plays defensively. And this year, my my biggest criticism of the team that's year-long is, and this kind of gets to the offensive versus defensive head coach thing, they don't have an offensive identity. And I don't even say that as some like term that's meaningless that's just out here in the air. Under Brian Dable, they were an 11 personnel offense. They threw to receivers all the time. It's all they did. They didn't care about running back catches. They didn't care about two tight ends. They spent a full season dressing one tight end. Ken Dorsey gets the job. They become obsessed with pass-catching running backs that they don't throw they passes don't throw to. to. Yeah. I don't under- That's what I don't understand. Of all the things that happened this year, McDermott even said it yesterday about Naheem Hines. Yeah, you would think... He's like, there's a ramp up time, and then once that happens, you would have, you know, could have done a better job of getting involved in the passing game. He said that about Naheem Hines. Mm-hmm. So here, could have said about Cook. And for McDermott, that's not my job. I don't run the offense. He runs the offense. Mm-hmm. Did I, it's always been my question? Did Dorsey want all of these pass catching running backs? Did Dorsey want J.D. McKissick? Did Dorsey want Cook? Did Dorsey want Hines? Because all of this time spent for pass catching running backs that they never used and a supposedly two tight end plan back to training camp right which 
went away never materialized. Right. And then, you know, you had Quentin Moore show up, and actually he looked like a pretty okay. ni- nice little piece. Yep. But the pass-catching running back thing, think of all the time spent talking and, and investing in it. And that's, like, Cook was supposed to be a guy not just, they don't, even, they don't, they don't throw screens. The dump-off game went away second half of the season. Allen started b- giving up on running back dump-offs and mm-hmm. going down the field. Yep. Do they line up receivers at, I'm sorry, running backs at receiver? They use Hines out there sometimes. Rarely. Not that yeah. Cook never. Right. So to me, that was always the, well, what are you doing here? What is your plan? It seems like your plan is get running backs involved in the passing game. And then I watch the games, and that never happens. So to me, that's a big point about offensive versus defensive head coach. If you have an offensive head coach, if you had Andy Reid, Kyle Shanahan, Nick Sirianni, I'm not telling you it has to be better, mm-hmm. but they know what they want their offense to be the same way that McDermott knows what he wants his defense to be. If he makes changes with Leslie Frazier and with personnel, guess what they're going to do? Maybe they beef up the defensive line and get thicker and more physical. They're still going to... They won't be a big blitz team. I don't think they'll change their identity. Nope. They're still going to rotate defensive linemen. They're not going to blitz a lot. They're going to play sound in the secondary. And they're going to be, you know, they're going to be who they are. Mm -hmm. Because he has a defensive identity. And it has worked for... Half a decade. He's, right. he's he's very good at it. Yeah, even prior to coming here. Yes. His defensive revert. Okay. Hey, quickly, because we got to get to break. Adam Schefter is reporting Bill O'Brien has been hired as the offensive coordinator for the New England Patriots. Get out of here. They hired somebody they knew? You are. It is the most underreported story well, in, the, in the entire the NFL. Way. I mean, he just, mo- you know. Why doesn't the national media get on the Patriots more? Let's- they don't hire anyone that doesn't work for Bill already. We got to break. Hold that thought. Come please. on! What do you want from me? We're at seven fifty-one. Look, look at this cult they have up there. It's the Patriot way. Don't you understand the Patriot way? You can't hire someone from the outside. They don't have an appreciation no, of how we do it's things. Because there. they literally can't hire anyone from the outside. Well, no one else will work, work for, for him. him. Yeah, I know. What do you want from me? It's seven fifty-one. All right. All right. Eight oh three oh five fifty to join us. More of your calls coming up. Nate Gary, top of the hour. WGR. Sometimes you just got to line back up, give us another year, and, and just go through it again. We lost four games. We lost four games this whole entire year. Four games out of nine, was it 19 games that we played. We had a great season. We had a great year. You know, of course, it, it didn't end like we wanted it to. But, I, you know, I came here to have multiple shots at winning the Super Bowl. I came here. I didn't feel like, you know, this would be my only shot, like, this one year. I felt like I had multiple shots at the Super Bowl by the way this team was built by you know our quarterback our defense I felt like I had you know multiple chances at the Super Bowl and, and I still feel like that Von Miller some of his comments at locker cleanout day seemed optimistic right I think that he would be be able to be ready for training camp uh, which I think would be a couple months shorter on the original timeline so we shall see let's get connected with our fans going right off to Springville Jeff you're on WGR go right ahead hey good morning guys good morning. Um, I want to talk about Stefan Diggs a bit more. You know, I, I, I'm really frustrated with the media protecting him. Um, you know, he he gave up on his team uh, this past week. How he, did he give up? He did he quit a, during the Was he Vontae Davis? He, he has a C on his jersey, and it took a practice squad player to pull him back into the locker room just to listen to the coach's end-of-game end of speech. I mean, that's that's not a leader. He's, he's supposed to be a man among, amongst men, and, he, and he's not. He. He gave up on his team, walked out of there. 
Wait, you know just so you know, just so you know, he is not the only guy who left the locker room right after McDermott's speech. He, there were a number of players who quickly no, left he, the stadium he, on Sunday. He left the stadium before okay. McDermott and was pulled was back. Was pulled back in. by Duke Johnson and then quickly yeah, yeah. left yeah. with other players. Anyway, go ahead. What, was he the was he the only one that left that had the C on his jersey? Jeff, <clears throat> Jeff, what do you want to do about it? If I was Sean McDermott on locker cleanout day, I'd pull that C off his jersey and tell him if he wants it back, earn it back. That's not leadership. How do you earn it? He's through through leadership. He's how do, showing that how do you he think that there for his teammates? How do you think that happened? Not, he, he has a he has to he's supposed to address the media at the end of the game, is he That's not? Right. He's he supposed to. He left his teammates. He left his teammates to hang out to dry in a time where they he doesn't all hurt. have to address the media. We prefer in the okay. media that he does because he is one of the key players on the team. I agree with you there, Jeff. But no, there is no rule that he had to address the media. Okay, I'm 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 incorrect there. That's so my apologies on no, that. No, I, I well, would I, like to hear from him too. I, I agree with you on that point. Go ahead. Uh, I'm sorry. I, no, I just want to say like, what is what do you think he did to earn the C in the first place? Well, I think he earned it based on his play. But he. Has but wait, 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 wait! Don't you think he? That, don't you think he earned it based on leadership in the locker room, like practice he, habits, like everything, everything work about in the off season, everything he put into. To it, say yes. you want to strip it off him, I mean, it's your opinion, and that's fine. Yeah. But you you say he's got to earn it back. It doesn't mean anything to you that he already had earned it. Uh, no, because I think he's 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 lost the trust of some of his teammates by leaving them to hang out to dry by not being there through the end and and you know the narrative is he cares about the game he cares he's too much and and you know what? every single one of those men in that locker room care about you know who else cares about the game us fans that are spending three four five hundred dollars a ticket to go watch him play we deserve him to, to have him say you know what guys we're going to do better next year we're going to give you our all. We haven't got that from him. Did you see that, did, me, Jeff? Did you see his tweets or no? I have not. No. Okay, he had a series of tweets that I mean, again, like you might not like that he left, but he basically tweeted. Do you have the three tweets there? Yeah, Howard? I'm gonna get him. Give me a second. I have him. He, he you got him, Jeff. Go he said, "Want me to be okay with losing? Question mark. Nah. Want me to be okay with our level of play when it's not up to our standard? Nah. It's easy to criticize me, my reaction more than the result." So he, he's not happy with how they play, Jeff, and neither are you, and neither are any of us. Right. The diff- <clears throat> I, I want to say there's a little bit of a point here about old media versus new media. I don't mean people. I mean, I'm the old media. I, no, I don't mean people. I mean the way that players can communicate. They can do it via Twitter, Instagram, however they really want to. It's not always convenient that these players have the opportunity to get their message out without using the radio station or the newspaper. If he had said into a microphone, do you want me to be happy about the standard of our play? Like, No. That would have been leadership, right? That that would have been okay. Yeah. Instead, he, he walks out, he decides he wants to cool off, and then, I mean, this is my, me guessing what he wants to do. Then he gives you his message on Twitter. And, is I mean, does that message mean anything to you, Jeff? I, I don't I, – no, it doesn't. Let's reverse the situation. Let's say it's Duke Johnson that, that storms out like that and causes a scene. Is he on this team next year? Uh, no, because Duke Johnson's a practice He's squad player. He's a practice player. squad guy. Do you exactly, th- so – do you feel like Stefan Diggs should not be on the team for what happened? Not at all. No, I'm not saying that. He's a great player. And you always cut think, and you cut the great players a little more slack. Yeah, I, first I, I off, first off, I don't care who has a C on their jersey. It means absolutely nothing to me. I will tell you this, Jeff, between you and I, well, I think we will look at this differently than players. You may say he quit on his team by trying to leave the locker room and guys are going to be upset. Guys know whether a player is committed to the team or not. 
How does he practice? Does he pay attention in meetings? Does he stay after practice? Does he work on his game? What study does he do? Does he prepare? Does he do, right? All the stuff you do, does he make himself a better player, even though he's one of the best wide receivers in the league? Him being angry and trying to leave the stadium early, I don't think is going to lose respect in the room. It's how he goes about to prepare and play the game, and I think there's a great respect for that. And I, as I said, I don't care. I couldn't even tell you who wears C's on this team. I, I, I respectfully disagree because he he's he's toxic. He he's not he's toxic. So toxic. I mean, holy cow! Attitude is going to rub off. Oh my God, Jeff! Jeff, Jeff, you think this team is going down the drain because he wanted to bolt the stadium early? I, I it, it's not just one game. He's done this in multiple games, not leaving early, but causing a scene and causing making the game more about him. It's not a. It's not an individual sport. This is a team sport. I know it's, but him, 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 he. Sorry for the grammar. He wants the ball because he knows he's the best player on offense after the quarterback, and those guys want the ball. You know, it's Von Miller. What do you mean you're going to rotate me in? I want to be on the field for eighty percent of the snaps, like I was in Denver. You know why? Because I'm really good and I can help us win games. If you're Stefan Diggs, you want the ball because you know you're a really good player and you can help this team win. That is what they're all trying to do: win the game. And if I can't get involved, guess what? I think we have a lesser chance of winning the game. That doesn't mean you should act a fool. And, and what do you want to do? And by the way, if the TV if the, if the TV cameras can... if the TV cameras don't catch him yelling on the sideline, we don't even have this discussion. You don't you you you, you, over over you think you think players don't yell at each other on the sideline? Oh, you don't think players do. don't yell at coaches on the sideline? Yes, but players don't leave until it's all done because they're there for each other because it's a team sport. All right, we'll, we'll, so, we'll okay, but there is. It, okay, is, it is kind of funny. I, I mean, I thanks, no Jeff. Thanks for the phone call. Two years ago, McDermott has to go get Diggs off the field. He's in an iconic photo. So two years ago, he stayed too late. This time he left too early. <laughs> I, I just, right. it's, kind of, it's just kind of funny. <laughs> right. like, which is, you know, I don't know. These guys aren't robots. And the idea that he's toxic, he might be more, I don't know what, merc- mercurial? Is that a word I'm looking for? Than some other teammates. And they know that about him. And... They know him well. They value him. He's a captain. He also is the guy that stood up in front of the team in Cincinnati when they thought they were going to have to go out back and play and rally everybody. <laughs> yeah, and the guy who got in an yeah. Uber and drove to, took an Uber to the hospital because he and gets by security because he had to see DeMar Hamlin right. to make sure he was okay. Take, he didn't just go on a plane and fly back to Buffalo. He went to the hospital. Take the C off his jersey because he left the game early. Like, I mean, it actually, the game was over. Hey, he's mad. I'll, I'll say this for what Jeff's point is. I don't. I mean, I don't mind Diggs. He can he can feel how he wants. It. Well, let's get a break in. We'll talk about it on the other side if we want. And take Nate's coming up, and then we we, okay. we talk about it as well because I still have a lot to say about it, and it's already eight. The very cool, calm, and collected Nate. Gary. Yeah, he's always <laughs> level headed, so this will really help the discussion. I, I, I set my alarm for post game when. Oh man, eight oh three oh five fifty to join us. If you're on hold, hang on. We got lines open if you want to get in, and we'll talk Bills football with you this morning here on WGR. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. 
Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.